Welcome to another edition of the Music City Drive-In. Today, I have a special guest lined up from time to time. I want to bring some fun guests on the show and talk about them, talk about what they're doing. And today, I have one of my favorite follows on Twitter, someone who I really enjoy interacting um, and talking movies with on Twitter. Um, Kalina, I didn't even ask you like off the air like if that's how you said your name. Did I say it right? You did. That is how you say okay, my name. Okay, perfect. I feel even better. So welcome <laughs> to the show, and how are you today? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing it again. I'm excited to talk movies. Um, before we even started podcasting, we talked for like 30 straight minutes about movies, and sure I'm did. hoping we didn't waste all of our good stuff before the movie, <laughs> before the podcast even started. Get rid of our good sound bites. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we talk about movies, we're going to talk about some of our favorite movies of the year. Obviously, we still have a lot left that we're going to see. And you told me a little bit off that you're about to see a whole lot of movies. And I think once the Chicago Film Festival, which I'm very envious of you being there and getting to see actual good movies during a film festival, I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> But um, I, w I want to touch base with you uh, about that when we come back uh, another episode. But yeah. let's let's figure out a little bit about Kalina. Why why movies? What is what do movies stand to you? You know what what do they what movies what do movies mean to you? Sure. Um. So I was kind of one of those lucky people that I've just known since I was a kid that this is what my life had to be about. When I was four years old, um, that was kind of when I had the first realization of really what make believe was and the acting and making movies and television shows, those were people's jobs. And it was actually, um, ER, the, you know, the George Clooney vehicle, the 1994 NBC drama was the That's thing that kind of changed my life. I was, you know, five years old and I was, I had like an arrangement that I made with my parents where no matter what, regardless of school, whether they were in bed cause they had work in the morning, Thursday nights at 9 p.m. I was in my basement in Chicago and I was watching ER and my realization with that was I understood they weren't real doctors you know I understood that these were people who this was just their job but that was the first time that when it wasn't Thursday you know it could be a, a Saturday morning I was wondering you know what Dr. John Carter was doing I was wondering how many patients had come into the ER what stories had I missed out on and that's when it kind of hit me like oh this is this is a thing I can do, you know, because I, I was always so curious, like I, I wanted to be a chef, and I was going to be a pediatrician, because George Clooney was a pediatrician, and I was going to, you know, be a mechanic, because my dad worked on cars, and I was just going to do all these different things. And then I realized that, oh, well, I could pretend to do all of those things by just doing this one thing, I could just make movies and TV shows. So it started really, really young for me. And then truly my kind of aha moment, my turnaround was when Nolan released Inception in 2010. I only saw it in theaters that one time, July 26th, I went to a 4 p.m. show at the Cinemark on Market Street in the Woodlands. I will never forget it. And I'm kind of glad I only saw it once because it just makes the experience that much more profound and impactful for me. But that was the first time where... I left a theater and felt like I like I physically wasn't in my body at that moment. Like my mind was somewhere else. My soul was somewhere else. And I remember my mom had just had a baby, uh, you know, not even a year prior. And we were walking around the mall and she kept trying to talk to me and like wanted my help picking out outfits. And I literally couldn't speak. Like I, I felt like a stroke victim. Like I couldn't focus on her I couldn't talk to her and she was getting so frustrated and I just that was my introduction to Nolan and so I just kind of hit the ground running after that and you know started theater and acting classes a couple years later and then 
everything else is just kind of history. So it's like I said, it's it's always kind of been in my DNA. And then Nolan is what kind of shattered my brain. You know, I, I love that film. I loved Inception. I thought Inception was the perfect film. I've only ever seen that movie yeah. once. The, there's a movie just like that. It just came out last year. There's certain movies that when I see them, I never want to see them again. Quiet yes. Place was one of those movies. I saw that in theaters and I never wanted to see it again because I knew it probably wasn't going to be as good as that experience I had at the movies. Like it yeah. was like, it's like the perfect film. I loved it. And I was like, if I watch that at home, then I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I did in the... Because the theater, to me, obviously, I mean, we both love movies, but the theater experience, to me, just means so much more. Like, when it it hurts my soul sometimes, oh, I'll just see that whenever it comes out on DVD. I'm just like, no. It's like... like (laughs) Right? I will swear (laughs) by certain movies, like... Uh, like when Creed came out, which I, I, that's a random movie that came to my head, but like I recommend, mm-hmm. I was like, you have got to see this movie in theaters. And I yeah. told this person, they were like, I went and saw it in theaters, and I was like, then I watched it at home, like a couple months later, like I'm so glad I saw that in theaters. And that to me is like, there's nothing better than a theater experience. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a religious experience to me, honestly, and I I feel very strongly about that with certain directors like Spielberg and um, Nolan and Scorsese. I don't believe they're intended to be viewed as at-home movies. Um, The last movie where I had that kind of similar experience was Phantom Thread. And I don't know if it was just because I was kind of conditioned to believe that was going to be the last time I would see Daniel Day-Lewis on screen. And so maybe I kind of had a romanticized view of it going into it. But that was, with the exception of Waves, which I just saw on Monday and I think will ultimately have the same effect on me, that was the last time where I walked out of the theater and I was like, oh... I can never watch that again. And I, I've tried to put it into words. I believe that movie came out in 2017. So two years later, I'm, I'm really not able to articulate it still. But it was just so perfect and hit every beat that I had set the expectation for that I feared watching it again and finding a single thing that I didn't like about it. I wanted to keep it just that perfect experience in my head. So I own the 4K Blu-ray of Phantom Thread, but it is sitting on my shelf unwrapped and I expect that it will remain that way. Yeah, so we kind of talked about this a little bit off air and I think that it it, it works for me too and, and the perfect one for me is The Joker. So I saw The Joker, yeah. okay? I love The Joker. So I went and saw it and I... Uh, immediately after immediately after obviously i reviewed it i thought about it and i thought some more about it and i was like phoenix transformed himself he blew me away but i was like all right ricky are you a prisoner of the moment i gave it five stars mm-hmm. i was like i loved it five. so i was like all right so for me my process sometimes in if i feel like i've seen a five-star movie i have got to a we talked about how we process it but for right. me i had to see the joker again so I went and saw it again because I needed to know if it was really a five-star movie. Because I don't like just giving out five stars to movies and say right. it's one of the best movies of the year. Unless I really feel that way. And there's only been a handful of movies that I've given five stars to. And we'll get a little bit, we'll get into that a little bit later. But how do you, like we talked about, like kind of go into depth a little bit about how you said when you see a movie like that, you especially like Waves, like you said, you wanted to know mm-hmm. maybe like if you're in imprisonment, do you have to see some movies a second time to make sure you feel that same way? It depends. So I, I like that you bring up Joker because that would be a, a good recent example for me. 
same thing. So I, I left Joker thinking it was incredible. I had listened to other people's feedback, whether it was just kind of the, the general audience or whether it was film critics who I admire or friends of mine or what have you. And I paid attention to what was more or less being told to me was wrong with the movie or didn't work with the movie. And I took those into consideration. And Joker is kind of a, a weird anomaly right now in the sense that as soon as I walked out and I took off work to go see it, I saw it in 70 millimeter. It was the only theater in Chicago that was playing it on film and made kind of a whole event out of it. The second I walked out, I was like, oh, I could immediately turn around and walk into the 11 o'clock show that's about to start. And I wanted to, but I was like, okay, I don't, I, I don't need to go through <laughs> that again right now. You know, like I need some time. And um, I'm kind of getting into reviewing films myself right now just because I want to continue to educate myself and continue to learn how to break films down and be more critical about it. And I'm kind of discovering that I do have, I guess, a particular process if a film is striking to me in any way in that if I feel I've had a severe emotional reaction to a film, whether that be positive or negative, I know that just because I'm naturally a pretty emotional person, that maybe I'm over-exaggerating it or I'm romanticizing it or I'm just hyper-focused on how this one scene that has nothing to do in the context of the film with what I'm placing it within my head, it's just because I'm I'm projecting my own experience and tying it together, you know? So my process is that if I feel really emotional about a film, I wait 48 hours before I really do a quote unquote review or like talk about it. So maybe I'll open the notes on my phone and I'll hit some initial points. I'll wait those 48 hours. And then I'm thinking, all right, what really worked about the movie? Are the performances good? Is the story good, but is it lacking technically? Is it, um, you know, visually impressive, but there is a lack of fluidity in the script? Like I, I'm trying to really think of the different components and is it the beats that work or is it the machine as a whole that's really good? And so I may sometimes end up writing two reviews where I write my initial kind of knee-jerk reaction review and then I write my quote-unquote processed review where I've had some time to kind of simmer it down and, and break it down to its its core ingredients. Yeah, I did that with Joker a lot because I, I went into it the second time thinking, all right, I need to find something I don't like about this film. And just as every... First off, the score in that movie is... So good. It's one of the most creepy, haunting, amazing scores I've ever seen. Um, I think the bathroom scene is the single best scene in a movie this year. I think it is phenomenal. And to hear the difference of what they originally had filmed for, like planned for that scene versus mm -hmm. what they had, mm -hmm. what they actually filmed, blew me away. Um, to me, honestly, I I've seen. Okay, so I've you know I've seen Marriage Story. Um, I will see Irishman very soon. I know you will as well. So we'll lucky. definitely have to. <laughs> we'll have to talk about the Irishman too as well. But for me, yes, the transformation that Phoenix went through for this role is what really gets me. Because okay, so Driver, not with not mentioning any spoilers on it, but for Driver, like he plays a dad going through a divorce. You know what I mean? Right. Like, don't get me wrong. He's phenomenal as this dad going through divorce, but Phoenix really transformed himself and. I, for one, and I'm not on board with the criticism of the film. I think people yeah. look at this a little bit different. Don't get me wrong. Like, and my big takeaway from this film is mental illness is an issue. And yes. it, it can cause what happened in this film. But 
this is a movie. Like, you know, I'm very big on this is a movie. This is a video game. This is a this. This is a that. Like, exactly. These aren't going to cause these things. What he went through is going to cause these things. And the way mental illness is handled causes these things. And that's real life. Like, that to me, right. like watching this film and watching him sit down and talk to that therapist. And she's like, all right, well, they cut funding on the, they cut funding on this. So, Go figure out life on your own, buddy. Like, and he knew he wasn't getting anything from this, really, but he still went. And he was still taking this medication with the preconceived notion that maybe it was helping him. Maybe he could be normal, you know? And that, to me, is what I think the underlining big picture of this film was at the same time being a phenomenal movie. Like, it just, it blew me away on several different levels. Yeah, and I, uh, so I mentioned to you that I work in a movie theater, and so I've, witnessed very interesting and unique reactions kind of all over the spectrum to this film. And I had one group of people who came in that wanted me to like talk to them about the film before and after, like they wanted me to kind of give a little bit of a, not necessarily a synopsis, but if I can just kind of give my opinion on like what they were expecting to go into. And then they wanted to talk to me about it after, because I have had a shocking, truly shocking number of people who either, do not know who Joker is in the sense of like, they don't understand his comic book ties or the fact that he's a Batman villain or anything, which I find very interesting because then I'm like, okay, so you just saw a TV spot about a murderous clown and you were like, that's my Friday night jam, but that's, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, or, it's, or it's people who just, they, they're like, oh, it's a Joker movie. And then they walk in kind of blindly, which is either in their favor or is kind of against them. And so this particular group I'd mentioned was familiar with the with the Joker story. And I guess that was where some of their apprehension was coming from was because they had kind of these preconceived expectations for it. And I said, what makes this movie different is this isn't the Joker is just a bad guy and he's going to go and commit a series of crimes. It's This is a lonely, tortured man who was bullied from his childhood into his adult life, is still currently being bullied as an adult, and he comes from a line of mental illness and suffers from mental illness himself. This is the effect of a man being broken down and being literally bullied into becoming this out of self-defense, out of him trying to protect himself because he's tried being the good guy. He's tried just being kind and being dismissive and trying to listen to people like his mother who, you know, more or less said, oh, it's, it's them. It's not you. Don't listen to them. You just be yourself. And, you know, it really comes at it. It's a social statement you know it's a it's a social awareness piece that says this is what can happen if we don't take care of each other if we don't love each other and we don't give the proper attention and care to people who need it and so i think it's an important film to have and i think it is a completely fascinating take to come at this character for you know i um i i loved it and i want to see it again really badly but i have a hesitation I can't really describe that maybe is similar to the Phantom Thread thing where I almost don't want to go a second time because I just want to kind of preserve the memory as is. Yeah, because for me, I think it... For me, I, I don't know if I could ever really enjoy that movie sitting at home. Um, right. I, I don't know right. if I'll ever watch that movie at home in my entire life, but you, I'm like you, I will probably own which is what very cool steel case that they have coming out for it was yes. it looks phenomenal like I'm super stoked about it 
But I don't know if I could ever enjoy that movie at home because the first off the score was phenomenal. But mm-hmm. I, you your words it, it kind of very like a lot of it took the words out of my mouth about how I film, like how I felt about the film. Like I've been writing an article trying to articulate some of the things that I've been wanting to say about the film that I think people are missing the big point and missing mm-hmm. the underlining um, questions that the film brings to the table. Stop right. looking at it as this murderous guy instead of looking at it a, everything in this man's life was a lie. Everything, everything, right. you know what I mean? And, and look at it in those See, for me, when I watch movies, I put myself, I, I engulf, and I know a lot of people don't do this, but for me personally, I like to engulf myself in the film. I would like, I like to think what, not necessarily not all the time, what would I do in that issue, but like I can see that point of view. Um, there's been several films where I, like The Hate You Give, I can't understand what the, what those, the individuals in that film went through, but I can feel empathy for what those characters right. and what people like that in that situation go through on a day-to-day basis, kind of like what you right. dealt with emotionally watching Waves. Uh, I'm sure that's the same thing. You might not understand right. how that person went through, you know, went through that process. It was like when I saw When you, when They See Us on Netflix. Like, that was one of the most mm-hmm. moving, powerful shows I've ever watched and, and watching those kids and how they had faith in the process, even though everything had been gone against them. Like, I can't understand how they went through that, but I can feel the empathy for them exactly. and how they felt during that. And that, to me, is more important than trying to make something this make something out of this film that it wasn't. Like, it was, yeah, to me, it was kind of driven by the media. Like, there's going to be a shooting because of this film. Like, are, is there going to be, or do you want there to be? Like, it's, it's like, right, you know, right. that's the whole thing, you know? Yeah, it's it's been a, a fascinating divide I had. So for every person I've come up and said that, uh, you know, they, they loved it or that group who kind of circled back to me after and was like, yeah, the, you nailed it. Like, that was a great way to describe it. They they even went as far as to tell me that, like, the, the angle that I had, I guess, presented my interpretation of how the film was um, kind of influenced their thinking and they felt allowed them to view it in kind of like a a softer, more understanding way. I also had a couple in complete seriousness, they were older, maybe their 60s if I had to guess, come up and tell me that I was demented and ill and that I needed to seek professional help because if I liked a movie like this, what was that saying about me? And I was like, (laughs) I was dumbfounded. I was like, thank you so much for your feedback. I will go seek professional help because I was like, like, how do you respond to to that? Like, uh, that's an interesting, but I mean, my manager was standing right next to me with her jaw dropped because it's, you know, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. If they feel like I'm sick and demented and they hated the movie, that's fine. Because like I mentioned to you off air if people feel so much hatred towards this movie that they want to come and tell someone like me who just printed out their tickets that i need to seek professional help the film still did its job exactly so i'm not i'm not mad no matter no matter what people say because it's creating that discourse it's starting the dialogue and at the end of the day that's what art is for exactly and i just absolutely love that this movie is making as much money as it is i think i'm going to end this I think I'm going to end on the Joker note with saying this, that I really need this to be a standalone film. I never want another Joker film ever. I don't want Jacqueline Phoenix's movie. I don't want him in any Batman movies. I don't want this character needs to die with this film. Not no, there was no pun intended there because there's very we could probably have a whole other podcast about the interpretation of what happened throughout the film. Oh, absolutely. But 
the thing about it is, please don't make another one of these. I understand that yeah. it's going to make maybe close to a billion dollars, and it was only like it only cost like sixty or seventy million to make. 60, but let this die here, please, 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 please. Joaquin, Joaquin, and Todd don't want to make another one, so I hope they kind stick of stick to their, to their guns. guns on that. One. And I think Joaquin yeah. is kind of a person. I've kind of gotten that vibe from him that he kind of does what he wants and kind of accepts the scripts that he wants. Oh, very much. And I he, also don't think he's a big sequel guy. No, so I'm really hoping they stick to their guns on that and. I think that transition, obviously, we both talked about the Joker in depth. Where does that, where today, as of whatever, what is today? Is today? October 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> because next time we talk, we're going to pr- probably have a complete, because between oh, the both of totally us, we're going to see yeah. a whole bunch of different movies over the next week or two that our list yeah. will be changed. We'll talk about it. And not even any of the movies we talk about today will be in our top five, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> Joker's my number two where it stands it's right number now. Two. That's, it's, it's my number two as well. Um, what is number five on your list right now? Oh, man. So I, I kind of spoke to you off the air that I would say Give only me a my top yeah. three. Yeah, my, my top three of my number five are what feel like pretty comfortable locks in the sense that I don't anticipate them leaving my top five. My number four and five are placeholders. Not that they're not good enough to be in a top five, but just because as we get deeper into the awards season and we have all these major films that are dropping to kind of throw their name into the hat, right, as, you know, Academy voters are kind of putting their thinking caps on, I anticipate that a lot of those will start taking the places. So my number five today would be Peanut Butter Falcon. That's a fantastic film. I think not en- not enough people saw that movie. Like it told an amazing story. Not enough story. people did see that movie. And the, the couple things that I think were really impactful, um, I for as much as I appreciate a complex, thought-provoking film that really engages its audience and recognizes that, 99% of audiences are intelligent and are craving something that makes them think a little bit more. I also love just a simple story that's easy to follow and not to diminish Peanut Butter Falcon and imply that it's not intelligent or anything, but it's a it's a movie that is intended to focus on the characters. And so the story is a little bit secondary because it's meant to kind of just be the the raft that kind of floats the characters along, if you will. Welcome back, Shia, for oh anyone God. who felt like he was lost or wasn't present. He gives such a profound performance in this, and I'm very excited to see Honey Boy to kind of contrast, because he, he kind of plays a father figure in Peanut Butter Falcon as well. Realistically, it's more of an older brother figure, but in the traditional sense, he's kind of playing a father figure. He was phenomenal. Um, Dakota Johnson, who up until now I've just felt kind of down the middle on. I didn't necessarily ever feel one way or another about her. She's really sweet and adds like a a nice kind of feminine and and motherly feel to this movie. And then um, Zach, who's the main actor, was incredible. And he was heartbreaking and joyous and I was sobbing and I was laughing. And I think what is the most significant about this movie and the progression that I want to see the most in Hollywood is if we are making stories about, um, you know, people of color, people in the LGBTQ community, people who are disabled in any way, we need to cast those people. There are actors. We don't have a shortage of actors. If you're going to make a movie about someone who's deaf, cast a deaf actor. If you're going to make a movie about someone who has, you know, Down syndrome or cerebral palsy, no offense to someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, but it's like, you don't need to just pick the whitest, brightest star in Hollywood. And I say whitest and brightest very intentionally. (laughs) Very Um, bold and out loud. (laughs) 
pick someone who is perfectly capable and is looking for the work and give the honest representation that the demographic is desperately seeking to see on screen. And so I, I thought that was a really important, um, I guess, kind of business move, if you will, for the ultimate cultural and societal impact that I hope this film has in the long term. Yeah, this movie was phen uh, phenomenal. Um, I really love this film. Zach Gotsigan was just... Like, there was Amazing. No, you just, you could not help, and that's the thing, like, if you had a character portray that, you would have not, I would, that movie would have been awful. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, yeah, it you wouldn't, been, it wouldn't have had the same emotional no. impact. No, and sure. I, I do love the background story. I did, I think it was like a variety piece that Shy was in that talked about how he went through that whole situation where he got that DUI, and then like, they went on, right, he went right. on the set the next day, and like, everybody was very like quiet about it and Zach and Gossigan kind of walked up to him and called him out on it like that's but, <laughs> like and he but that like had a profound you know change on LaBeouf's actual real life and I felt like right. you kind of saw him grow within that movie with his character Absolutely. and the scene on the um the raft where he just puts his arm around shy uh, like oh my god like I just like the tears just flooded down my face because it was like as you said, LaBeouf plays that father slash big brother character, and I mm -hmm. I feel that to my core because of me, my relationship with my brother. So I already felt that, but to have that moment where the little brother is uplifting the father slash brother figure, yeah. it just was warm. It was heartfelt. Like I feel like that was one of the, and they were the best on screen duo of this of the entire. So great. It was just they had great chemistry, and I was surprised Dakota Johnson. I'm like, she brought some. She brought something to the table. Like when you saw she the did. trailer, yeah. you really didn't think anything of her, but she was a joy in the film. Like she added another layer to the film. Like you said, the kind of that feminine, you know, motherly, sisterly kind of love. And I really loved the film. It was a fantastic film. I agree with you. I think this is like. For me, I I think I gave this like four and a half stars, and I think a lot yeah, of that, I, would I don't even like I don't even know if it's a four and a half star movie, but in my head, I'm just like, I can watch that movie a hundred times, I'll cry a hundred and ten times, yeah, and yeah. it's a beautiful film that I think everybody should see. Which, yeah, there's what, some movies that you just you leave the theater kind of feeling like a better person for having seen it, and that yeah, was one of those yeah, for me. Easily, easily. What's the next movie you got for me? Oh, wait, what's your number five? Oh, my number five. Sorry, 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 sorry. So right now, I obviously this is my, it's a placeholder as well. One, two, three, four, five. Sorry, I've got to make sure I'm there. Is <laughs> is Us. Us is, it's kind of yeah. my, that's, it's easily my five. Uh, or my, yeah, my five. I love this film. I love Jordan Peele. I, my biggest thing about this film, and I told this to a lot of people that said they didn't like the film, but um, I love the story that it told within the story. Um, we all face that battle within ourselves that sometimes we don't overcome and it, and sometimes we do, but when we do, it feels great. But like the battle, Lupita was, if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm going to be heartbroken because she was just brilliant in this, in this film. I thought yeah. Jordan Peele, to be honest with you, I think Get Out was a movie of its own. I personally like this movie more than Get Out. I know that's interesting. I think Get Out to me is also a very personal film because it told an amazing story within a story. Right. But he does, he just has this artistic way of telling a real life story and then tells you a story within it. And both of them are just amazing. I will say I am terrified to go to fairs now and I'm terrified <laughs> of bunnies as well. So I, 
don't think that I will ever look the same this, but that's easily number five. I love Jordan Peele. I loved us. And sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that had I not just seen Waves the other day, that Us probably would have been my number five. It, it was in my top five for a majority of this year. Um, and I, I, I really liked it. There's there's nothing else that I can say that's different than has been posted. Um, but that being said, I do have my fair share of problems with it. Some of them within the story that are significant enough to me that it would be easy to push this lower 100%. on my top ten list at the end of the year. 100%. But at the end of the day, that's not to say it's still not one of the best movies that's come out this year because it is. I agree. What do you got for me at four? Number four, I believe you and I are about to hit some controversy as we talked a bit about this before we hit the air here. Um, My number four is Ad Astra. (laughs) (laughs) I would love for you to open and then we, I can bounce off. Okay. All right. So I went and saw this film with the mind okay so i loved first man okay first yes, man was an amazing too. i saw first man in imax i will side proof that that by saying damien chazelle is my favorite um director um his he's amazing. three for three i love Chazelle. he's not my favorite director, but he's one of my favorite directors but yeah i mean whiplash la la land and first man i don't think you can do much better than those three that's a perfect yeah. three for three um but okay so <laughs> i just I was very bored. I was very, very bored. And see, now, I will say on the slip side of it, I do think I want to see it again because I've had conversations about this. Um, the guy I do the Music City, the other Music City drive where we talk about the awards, he loved this film, loved the story that it told Brad, it told Brad's character. I just, it took too long for me to care about Brad. And okay. I that's and I think that's what my biggest problem with the film is and if I I didn't care about Brad for maybe an hour and maybe 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so if okay. I didn't care that long about the character when I'm supposed to really 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 care I just didn't care and it was very long and drawn out it was I don't know I found myself bored a lot I found like Certain films, if it's a great film, I'm in golf. I'm not going to check my phone. I'm not going to listen to the person sneezing behind me. Like, somebody <laughs> could throw popcorn at me, and I wouldn't care. But this movie, it was just... Like, I literally... I think I have, like, this movie at, like, two stars. Like, I maybe that. I Like, it is... Now, may I, may I ask, did you feel bored because you went in with a certain expectation and that wasn't fulfilled? Yes. Or... I think that could be okay. part of it, to be honest with you. Like, that's why I said I want to rewatch it. I do. I... Sure. Under the prefix that I, I'm hoping that I like it a little bit better the second time, and maybe I will invest more into Brad Pitt's character, knowing that the payoff at the end was actually pretty solid. Like, I mean, obviously right. on a technical level, the film was beautiful. Like, it was, right. it was a great look at. The score was really good. I don't think the score was as great as everybody says it was because I've heard so many other scores this year that were profoundly better. Um, I just went and watched the composer in concert on Saturday. (laughs) I disagree on the score because I just paid like $60 to go see him. (laughs) That makes it even worse. Now this conversation is even getting better. Um, I will say with the caveat, I will want, I do want to see it again. I do want to see it again in theaters for sure, because this is another one of those that you have to see in theaters um, to enjoy on the same level. Unless you have like one of those home theater systems, then you're just seeing it in a baller level anyway, but I don't. So, um yeah i don't know i just i so my biggest let, problem let me, i couldn't invest in brad pitt that's it 
Let me jump in with my counterattack. So I will okay. start by saying that if if there is one hill that I will die on, it is that movies that take place in outer space do not deserve to be seen on anything other than a giant theater screen. 100%. I I will never watch 2001 A Space Odyssey at home. I will never watch Interstellar at home. I will never watch Gravity at home. I just will Did not do like it. Did you like Gravity? I, even... I don't mean to interrupt you. Did you like Gravity? Oh, I loved Gravity. Yeah. I went and saw it several times. Yeah, God is my witness. I even paid money to go see Lucy in the Sky in theaters, <laughs> which sorry. I was unnecessary in my... My uh, unfaltering love for John Hamm sometimes gets me in trouble, such as this case where I paid money to see such a terrible movie. <laughs> More on that some other time. Um, but I, I guess maybe it's because of how I will fight for the incredible technical work that gets put into these films. But I remember the first time that I tried to show a friend of mine, Interstellar, and my friend had a decent size, maybe 55, 60-inch TV screen, so pretty generous for something in the home. And we got maybe about 40 minutes into the movie, and I shut it off. I was like, I I can't do this to you. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, no, I meant to the movie. I can't do this to the movie. Like, I can't, I can't play this on such a tiny screen. You need to have your walls shaking. The sounds should be literally surrounding you. Like, we need Dolby Atmos. We need, you know, like, I just, I can't do it. So, and, oh, God help me if they come on, like, FX or something and there's commercial breaks. I mean, it'll, it will drive me to a breaking point. So thank you for saying that you want to go see this movie in theaters again. I wouldn't recommend it unless you have the option to do that. Now, I will also say that I am a sucker for slow-burning character dramas, and I believe that comes from me dominantly coming from an acting background, is that it's always extremely impressive to me when actors are able to kind of just zone in on their emotions, and they have to do what I call the face acting. Ryan Gosling, I think, is the best at it. Um, Someone like McConaughey is really good at it. Uh, When they have to just... The dialogue's not there. The camera is really intimate, and it's a lot of close-up shots, or it's a lot of kind of messing with the the depth of field and kind of placing you almost literally within their subconscious. That can be really intimidating for actors. It can be really hard to be as vulnerable as you need to be and as honest as you need to be. Because ask any actor, the the baseline for what their job is is to find the truth in whatever they're doing, right? Seek the truth, find, you know, the, the honest angle to tell the story to your audience. And that's what I expected from this movie, which I think is why it worked for me as well as it did, because it delivered what I was asking from it. And it's... I'm, I'm kind of very late to the Brad Pitt party, not in the sense that I ever thought he was a bad actor, but I was always just like, oh, it's that hot guy from the 90s. Thank you. And then, I have the same then I saw Then I saw Fight Club. And don't get me wrong. Like, I've seen, if I had to guess, I've seen probably 80% of his body of work. Okay, I feel pretty comfortable with the amount of Brad Pitt movies that I've seen. <laughs> and I've always thought he was talented, but I just never got it. I just always knew that, like, when you thought of the, the words movie star, Brad Pitt was going to be the first name that comes up. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we'll talk about, I I think that's where the table kind of turned for me. And then having Ad Astra come out just a couple of months later as an extreme contrast to the character of Cliff Booth, I think really just made me appreciate his abilities. So, of course, agreed with you. Technically speaking, it doesn't even really have to be spoken about. It looks outstanding. I am also kind of a... 
a sucker for the, you know, broken relationships between parents and children. I always find that to be interesting and complex because it's something that I can kind of relate to personally. And I'm always curious to see how it's going to be handled either by the writer or the director or how the, how the actors kind of take it on. So I just appreciated that it was a really intimate performance that demanded your attention in the sense that you could either choose to, like you said, kind of be like, I'm, I'm kind of taken out of it. I'm going to scroll on Twitter for a minute, or you can choose to be like, all right, I'm in, I will commit to this. I'm looking at your eyes. I'm looking at if your, you know, fingers are tapping your thigh. Like I'm, I'm focusing on your body language and everything that you're telling me that your words can't. And then I'm going to take that and interpret it how I want to and put it into the rest of the film. And there were some problems like Space Monkey is absolutely unnecessary. I was cackling in the theater. I was like, what the hell is going on? Tommy Lee Jones, I don't think there was ever a period where I really liked Tommy Lee Jones, and he's just kind of extra old and cranky in this movie. And the the twist that I won't reveal is didn't really feel like too big of a twist to me. So I can agree that there are some fundamental problems, which is, like I said, uh, why, like I said, it will end up on the bottom half of my top 10 list. But I can't imagine that come December, this won't still be in the top 10 for me. Yeah, so... I guess I okay so I can I can I can throw in another curveball of my feelings about this film. Okay, so I I love First Man. I think First yes, Man was yes. a masterpiece and maybe that film is still so heavy on me and the lack of love that that movie got at the Oscars. So maybe or, or by the people or well by everybody. I mean just <laughs> I mean by every yes. I get it. I do. And and I do get that. I'm, like, I felt that way with Ryan Gosling. Like, Ryan Gosling. Like, I mean, I... Adore him. Yes, that is... Like, I don't even, like... <laughs> I love that guy. And, you know, it's he's surprised. Like, so I think that he is, like, a better version of Brad Pitt. And I've always felt that way. Like, he is a very good-looking guy. That's very a hot good, take. Very good-looking guy. But he's a very good actor. Like, I am not on the Brad Pitt bandwagon. I think that... Okay, so... I, again, with you, I've seen a lot of Brad Pitt's movies, okay? Mm. I don't think that he's that great of an actor, okay? I think that he he's, he's not he's not great. I think he's good. Now, don't get me wrong. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we'll talk about it in a minute. I He blew my socks off in that film. Like, and he did. But I just... But Ryan, but Ryan Gosling gave such a profound performance. I think maybe if Ad Astra came out next year, maybe the year after that, maybe I would have liked it a little bit more. But okay. after, I, I don't think it compares to First Man. And that's the problem I think that I have with it. And maybe if when I see it again, we'll talk about it again and I'll have a difference of opinion. Or I'll just say it's a steaming pile of crap like I thought it was outside of all the technical <laughs> stuff. But, but I think you should ask yourself, is it fair to compare it to First Man no, just because it they're isn't. in the same genre? It isn't. It isn't at all. And I know that. And that's the and I don't I'm not sure how I know. feel as about as you, you calling me out on the podcast <laughs> to say that, but it's okay. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I'm just so, trying to, just trying to be progressive and just cover all angles here. That's well, all. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. So it's my my four, right? Yes. My four it's endgame. Like, All right. if we're talking I'm about like, I'm best, to hear this out. <laughs> if we're talking let's, about, let's, make, let's let's uh, do a virtual handshake right now, though, and agree that we will not get into Fat Thor on this episode. No, we don't have the time. <laughs> we really don't. Like, this would be probably a three or four hour podcast about her and I fighting about Fat Thor, which we are probably are going to do just because. Yeah. We to talked about who's it. Listening, he supports Fat Thor, and I want to burn existence. 
that this <laughs> happened. <laughs> so my thoughts at Endgame. First of all, I saw Endgame in theaters probably, I think, maybe four or five times. Okay. I so, saw it eight times in theaters. I'm so... I feel like you keep saying this and I'm just like, man, I feel like I thought my four or five times was baller. Now I feel like on a middle school scale. Oh, I okay. saw Infinity War 12 times. So this is low for That's me. That's low. Okay. Yeah. So my my feeling is this on Endgame is this. It's, it got five stars for me. I don't know if it's a five star film. I don't. But I will say my five star feeling about this is just it's the culmination of all the films. And it so made, it's your, your, your emotional rating that we were talking a, about. That's a thousand percent. I think it's okay. five stars for that. It'll always be my favorite Marvel movie because it just put, wow. it, it wow. put it together. We it, didn't talk about this before <laughs> the show. I'm not ready. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in another podcast. Another, another podcast. Avengers edition. Exactly. But I say that it's not, it's not the best Marvel movie. It's not the best. It's your just personal it's favorite. It's just my personal favorite because it, it checked all the boxes. Okay. I never in my life have ever been the one that I wanted to stand up and clap in the middle of a movie. Okay. Oh, I'm 100% that person. <laughs> I am the white person clapping on the plane of movie theaters, okay? <laughs> I want to sometimes, but like, I'm like, I don't want, I look kind of look around me. Like sometimes I'll cheer, like if somebody else is cheering. I won't be the 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 leader of the pact, okay? Oh, no, I'm the puppeteer. Oh, I, you are. I have I have a joy for training my audience, is how I call it. <laughs> especially because I am a person who, I mean, if I like any movie even just a little bit, there's a good chance I'll go see it at least three times in theaters because I cannot be bothered to wait for the DVD release. For sure. And so once I see a movie and I know the beats where I feel like people should be celebrating, I train them, and it is my favorite <laughs> to do it with Marvel movies. That is fantastic. And with Infinity Wars. I knew the beats. When we see Spider-Man for the first time, we clap. When he gets knighted on the ship by Tony, we clap. When Steve Rogers walks out of that goddamn shadow, we clap. And there is no if, ands, or buts about it. So I, I cannot say that I agree with you, man. I am I am the lead clapper in any given screening. So so for me, Endgame, like, it was, that it checked out the box. First off, if I'm going to talk personally, personally, Mar this movie is not even the best Marvel movie that came out this year. But that's a, that's... I agree. That's... Far From Home is one of the top five comic book comic book movies that has ever been put out. Comic well, doesn't can matter. Can we sidebar to that real quick? Don't yes. give an explanation. Give me your top five comic book movies. I'm. This is going to be awful. I'm not prisoner of the moment, but Joker's one now. Like Joker is hands down my number no, one. No, no, it'd be it's in my top five. Um, Endgame is obviously in there just for prof. Oh, let's go. I'll go my. I'll go best. Okay, okay, so I can't give them to you in order. I can't right now. That's You're putting okay. me on the spot here. Far From Home's in my top five, hands down. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. Um, mm -hmm. Black Panther. Oh, it rises? Yes. Oh, interesting. Black okay. Panther and Silver... Silver... Uh, both Captain Americas. Not the first one, obviously. Oh, my God, no. But okay, it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'll accept it because of my you. love for Chris Evans. So mine would be Logan as my number oh, one. Oh, okay, all right, rewind. Logan, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes, Logan's in my top five. Kick out, um, uh, yeah, kick out Dark Knight Rises. Oh my god, I okay. can't believe I said so that. So I would do Logan as my number one. Mm -hmm. I would do Infinity War as my number two. Mm -hmm. I would do Joker as my number three. Mm -hmm. I would do. The Dark Knight as my number four. And then I would probably do 
Winter Soldier is my number five. Do you know Dark Knight's low-key a bad movie, right? I do not. I do not have the time to debate you on. This. No, okay. I won't. I won't lie. I won't lie. It, I love the Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises to me. I think that it's I will, highly. I will say I love underrated. Dark Knight Rises, but this goes back to what I was telling you about my toxic relationship with Anne Hathaway. And when I see her <laughs> in this movie, it makes me ill. She was terribly miscast as Selena Kyle, in my yeah, opinion. It was. Uh, see, my thing is this. Okay, so Heath Ledger, obviously, brilliant. Goat. Okay, brilliant. One of the best performances in movies history. Not just comic yeah. book movies, movies history. Okay, but that movie, I can watch that movie with just his performances. Like, I will literally yeah. fast forward The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Rises, I will oh, watch. Oh, oh, Christian Bale is crying in the corner right now, man. <laughs> he is. No, get, get me wrong. First off, Christian Bale's the best Batman. It's not even a question. He will always be the best yes. Batman. I'm excited about Robert Pattinson as Batman. But Bane as, or uh, Tom Hardy as Bane <laughs> was just as good as. Oh, that okay. is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what were you thought I was going to say? What did you think I was going to do? What a lovely, lovely boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I loved Bane. I love Tom Hardy as Bane. And your impression of Bane is literally, I mean, dying inside because that was really good. But I love Tom Hardy as Bane. I will die I, on that hill. It was. I love, I love Tom Hardy. You didn't Period. like Bane? End of sentence. Um, oh, I didn't so like his character arc. I didn't like I his character arc. I will quickly say, I will quickly say that I feel about Bane kind of like I was saying that I do about The Last Jedi. It didn't really work for me, but I don't feel strongly enough or necessarily care enough to say like to put active feelings into not liking it does that make sense i just kind of it's kind of a dormant issue for me i will say that i'm really heartbroken right now because i didn't remember logan and that really hurt my heart because (laughs) i didn't remember the best comic book movie ever made (laughs) yeah logan was oh my god logan was phenomenal yeah Hugh jackman is also crying in a corner (laughs) i know i feel like (laughs) what's because you put me on the spot okay that's the reason (laughs) yeah back back to your love for (laughs) eddie but uh no those the conversation for a different day about how comic book movies aren't art, but I love Scorsese. I love everybody's talking about that, but I have avoided, I have no idea what Scorsese said and I have no idea what Coppola said. I have avoided every single tweet and article about it because one, I don't want to look at them differently because I respect that they grew up in a different generation and they have their own opinions. And two, I just don't fucking care. I don't know if I can curse on your show, but I just don't fucking care. It's it's fine. But no, for me, like, I agree. But the thing about it is I have read it. And at the same time, I'm like, cool. Like, it doesn't really change my opinion. They don't think it... They they have their opinion about movies. I mean, I'm sorry if anybody that can have an opinion about X amount of movies, it's those guys. Exactly. And my favorite part about this whole entire thing are the, like, the younger kids that don't even know who Martin Scorsese are. Are like, what did Martin... Who's Martin Scorsese? It's like, all right. Who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, we'll transition... Godfather? (laughs) Exactly. Ooh, that's a different conversation for a different day. I am not. I was, a, I was kidding. I was I'm not, imitating the show. No, I, I'm not a Godfather fan. But um, oh, I'm not a big Coppola fan. Oh, look at that! All I think, right, I think he's earned. I think he's earned his title, but he is not in my top five directors. Oh, I don't even wow. know if he's top ten. I would agree with a thousand percent. Okay, so this right one, on. uh, this transition was a lot better than <laughs> so the last five transitions we've had that have down. gone really bad <laughs> down a hill. Okay, so yes. that we're gonna transition to your three now. Yeah. Right? Um, so these I are like the three. You're just not even inviting me to talk about Endgame. That's perfect. Oh, just... oh. 
I can believe yeah, we're just gonna glide past that. Just go to your number three. Uh, I I do want to just say briefly that how I described Endgame to everybody, and you're speaking to someone. I have an Avengers tattoo. So on do my I. Eye, okay, so I've I. met. No so way. All right, on. I've met, oh, you got their tattoo. Yeah. Oh, I have feelings about that. Oh. That is. Um, <laughs> well, we won't get into it. Um, Endgame for me on a fan level, in terms of what I wanted for a culmination of 10 years, 10 out of 10. Standalone movie level, if I'm being nice, 6 out of 10. And that's, honestly, that's me, like, giving it a lot. And so people are being critical of me and or were critical of me for how many times I was going to see it, despite my feelings about it, and that's understandable. But I will say... Um, I saw Infinity War 11 or 12 times in theaters. So part of it was just my own competition with myself wanting to achieve at least that many views or exceed that many views. And then part of it was this was the last time I was going to get to see this cast assembled together on a big screen. Regardless of my feelings, I want to see that as many times as possible. And I work in a movie theater, so it was very easy. Um, So I'm, I'm talking eight times from beginning to end and then if we're talking when i just went in after a shift and maybe caught like half of it or 40 minutes of it probably in excess of 20 times so i've seen i've seen it a lot i just think that um for every moment that they did so well that is irrefutable this is incredible that this happened on screen i can't believe this is in a movie there was a moment that shouldn't have been in there that wasn't good. And so it felt very imbalanced to me because I felt like I had to either keep excusing or justifying things and comparing it to Infinity War, which initially Endgame was going to be a part two. Ultimately, it wasn't. So it's hard not to make that comparison. Infinity War to me is a perfect movie that after I've seen that movie probably honestly probably 30 times Same. i have yet to find something that doesn't work in that movie for me so that's that's all i can say about i can i can agree with you i infinity war is light years better uh, light years better film hands down like not even close like but you're you're right like just the fact that it, it was a culmination of all the films that's the reason why i love it so much yeah um, and there's stuff that is so amazing that like i mean we're, we're sitting here i have an endgame poster hanging up in my room okay so like i understand i'm hypocritical but no i get my problems with it i don't want to discount the things it did right exactly anchor is a one-stop shop for recording and hosting and distributing your podcast best of all it's 100 percent free and ridiculously easy to use and now anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise ties on your podcast and that means you can get paid to podcast right away in fact that's what i'm doing right now by reading this ad so if all if you've always wanted to start a podcast making money to do it go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using anchor that's anchor.fm slash start i cannot wait to hear your podcast So I'm going into my number three, and I'll I'll keep this relatively brief as well. Um, So I just got to go see Waves a couple of days ago. And Waves was one of those movies. And also just generally speaking, once we hit kind of the the festival circuit time for movies in the September, October, November months, I always try to stay pretty 
blind and unaware to movies that I'm going to see. I'm not the person, nor have I ever been the person that reads reviews ahead of movies. I think that's silly and kind of nonsensical. Um, and I want to form my own opinion. And then if I want to read up on it after to help evolve my opinion, that's fine. But Waves, I had managed to stay for the most part in the dark about. I don't think I even went as far as watching a trailer for it, but I knew I wanted to see it. I knew who the cast was. I was just excited about the fact that this project existed and I managed to get into it kind of uh, right at the tail end at the Chicago Film Festival. And this was one of those movies, kind of like what we were talking about, um, not as intensely um, compared to something like Joker, meaning I didn't have this intense of a reaction with Joker. But when someone like you or I have those kind of visceral experiences with movies where we're having an external body reaction to what we're watching and it's happening in real time and then we're moving on to a different part of the movie but we're still thinking about that other part so it hits you all over again and it becomes like a, a physical emotionally draining experience and that's what happened with waves and i still don't want to disclose anything about the plot because i hope that people similarly will also try to go into this movie blindly I will say that Sterling K. Brown, who I have loved on This Is Us, which is a show that is very meaningful to me that I will argue has some of the best acting and writing we've seen in a decade on television. Um, He took Brad Pitt's place for my favorite supporting performance of this year, and I did not think that anyone would knock Brad's performance out and understand they're very, very different performances. But what Sterling does is just so profound and so beyond impressive um that i it couldn't help but take the place but for me waves just hit me emotionally not because of direct correlations that were happening with characters but just certain elements or kind of underlying emotional themes within the story or within the family that just reminded me of things that i had gone through personally and this was the first time in a long time where i had to consciously think about my breathing while I was watching this movie because I felt like I had a weight on my chest. I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was crying and I didn't know what was coming next. I didn't even know the length of the movie. So I couldn't even try to relieve myself and, you know, say that I only had to endure this for 30 more minutes. And then I had the pleasure of being able to stick around for a Q&A with the director, um, Trey Edward Schultz, who did It Comes at Night, and then some of the cast. And I managed to compose myself enough to ask, like, a technical question about the aspect ratios. And then I beelined it to the front of the theater as soon as the Q&A was over because for my own emotional relief, I needed to go talk to him. And I needed to just thank him and tell him kind of the impact this movie had on me. And despite the fact that I'd finally composed myself, I started talking to him. We found out that we used to live about 20 minutes away from each other in Texas. And so we were kind of talking about that. And then I just barely started talking about the movie and I I just started crying. And he just grabbed me and just embraced me in this hug. And he's like, this is why we make movies. This is why we make movies. And the same thing happened with both cast members. So to me, this was just one of those incredibly special and rare films that comes around every once in a while and just hits these certain beats. It's also very technically impressive. Probably, I would say, top three cinematography that I've seen in film this year. The score was done um, by Trent Reznor, who has very quickly over the past couple of years become one of my favorite composers. And um, the use of color and kind of neon lights, I described it to the director that it had like a visual aesthetic of Nicholas Winding Refn with the camera work of a Stanley Kubrick film, 
but then just this intense emotional foundation that I don't even know that I can compare it to a director's style. And it was all those things, but it was a Trey Edward Schultz film, you know? So it wasn't like a Kubrick film and a, and a Refn film. It was his film. And it was just, I don't know, it's, it truly feels like unlike anything that I've maybe ever seen, certainly unlike anything that I've seen this year. And so putting it at number three almost feels kind of low on the list for me, but that's where it stands for now. Yeah, I'm super excited about this film. And we t when we talked about it off air and then I kind of saw some of your tweets about it, I was just like, like, I'm like... I like I am I am an emotional wreck. I will I can I will be the first to admit that when it yeah, comes to yeah. movies, I am an emotional wreck. I will cry very easily during films and and just the pure excitement of that cuz I mean we we share a very same level of film and our love for film and our passion for yeah. film. So your love for it just kind of raised my expectations for it. I can't wait to see it. I've been excited to see yeah. it, but you've only put it on a another level for me so i can't talk right. about it because i haven't seen it which is heartbreaking <laughs> but my number three for me um was the farewell um Ooh, I, I did not like the farewell did so you i'm not? interested <laughs> no i did not okay so i am not this is a this is me announcing this to the world i am not huge on subtitles okay i okay. I can some like I can I I can indulge myself sometimes sometimes time. Obviously, this wasn't a full subtitle film. Parasite. Yeah. I'm I, I'm gonna go see it this weekend. I'm kind of scared because it is full. Oh, that's perfect. So like it's it's full subtitled. So I'm a little nervous about it, but I can I I can appreciate the film anyway. Okay. So the farewell to me, for the first 24 hours after I saw that film, I thought it was a masterpiece. The more I've thought about it, I have it. I have ranked it lower and I can see it easily getting out of my top five with okay. the amount of films that are left over. The film has not resonated with me as much as some of the other films in my top. I think it's in my top five. It's in my top five today. I think after the next month, when I see a lot of different films, I'm going to see the Irishman. I'm going to see two popes. I'm going to see uh, parasite. I'm going to see a lot of different films. I think it could easily slide out of my top five, even out of maybe even out of my top 10, and I wouldn't okay. hesitate. I just really liked it. I love the story. And that's what... It, yeah. like, I, I, I will say my biggest problem with the film was the ending. Um, I feel like they should have ended it when she pulled away in the taxi. Like, that to me was the perfect curtain yeah. call of the film. That bothered me. I don't think... I love Aquafina. I, 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 she was... But she was not that great in that film. I'm sorry. She did not blow me out of the water like she has everybody else. And actually, the more I talk about it, I swear, the more I talk about this film, the less I am enthused about it as I was after seeing it for 24 hours. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, I, when, I got, when I saw the film, I was like, this is a fight. Like, don't get me wrong. The screenplay, phenomenal. The screenplay, the yeah. written screenplay was phenomenal. It was a beautiful film to look at. Um Zazazao, or however you, Zuzu, whatever you, however you say her name, and I feel awful for yeah. just even try. She was hilarious. To be honest, if she gets a yeah, supporting yeah. actress nod, it would be amazing just because the supporting actress not, uh, category is very lackluster this year. Um, but yeah, I. I don't know. The more I think about this, I don't know why it's in my my, my third film. I don't know. Like, to be honest <laughs> so, with you, but I liked it. I I really I really did like it. I thought it was a beautiful told story. I love the story. I love how it's true. I think it's insane yeah. that that they do that in that culture about 
about the whole lying yeah. about uh, when somebody's dying, whatever they they they, they twist it around. It's it blew my mind to find that that was all real. Like it's crazy that they really did. yeah. So I'll play devil's advocate and say that I had intended on seeing this film no matter what, and then I had been kind of pushed by a friend who saw it and felt really impacted by it. it was like you have to see this. We have to talk about this movie. So I went and saw it, and I had. Low expectations, not in the sense that I thought it would be bad, but low expectations, meaning I didn't walk in thinking that I had certain boxes that had to be checked yep. in order for me to like it. And so I was I was very open to whatever I was about to see. Yep. I just generally felt underwhelmed. Yep. I felt like I was having to remind myself that I had to care about these characters. Not that they were unlikable or that the actors weren't capable of being emotional or that the script wasn't well written but i just like i would just be sitting there and i'd be like oh yeah i I have to feel sad for her right now and so i i didn't like that i was feeling that way and then i felt like it just was trying to be so cinematic and like i just with the way that the camera was used I didn't feel like there was purpose and motivation behind it other than to just look aesthetically pleasing, which can be reason and motivation enough. It's not like that's not allowed, but given the weight of the film and the subject matter, I wanted more from it. I didn't think it was unreasonable to expect a little bit more from it. And then, yes, there were like 20 psych out endings that it was happening so many times that... I was just getting frustrated. I even thought the the slow motion walk with the entire family while that opera music played, I thought that was going to be the ending. And then yeah. the film sold like 40 more minutes after that. Yeah. So I, I, I felt like that was not done well. Um, Aquafina, I felt okay about. I didn't think she was bad. I didn't think she like blew me out of the water, but I did believe I believed her. I got right. the emotions that I felt like I needed to out of her. And I really liked learning about the tradition. And from what I do, the limited knowledge that I have about that culture, I felt like it was done well. And I'm so excited that this movie exists for the sake of representation for that culture. I'm, I think it's important to have in society. And so I don't want to discount that in any way, especially because I'm obviously not really the demographic for the film so my opinion in general is kind of moot on it um but the thing that stuck with me that is the reason i didn't care for it is as soon as it was over i texted my friend i said so was this the director's first or second film and he's like what are you talking about i was like this feels sophomoric at best go look this film up and tell me how many other films this director has done it was their second film and he's like i don't understand how did you know i was like it felt like it like it just felt not bad but you can just see the inexperience and where that was kind of costing her um and i mean i don't i don't know much about lulu wang i don't have anything against her and i believe if i'm not mistaken this was her story and that it was basically her that aquafina was portraying yeah. and so again i don't want to discount that but i just feel like it could have been really 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 good if it was maybe helped shaped a little bit more so not saying it should have been out of her hands but if she maybe just had a little bit more guidance and a little bit more of a clear direction of where it wanted to go i think it would have resonated a lot better with me yeah i think the other thing that i think about for me was i went into the expectation of not even really caring about the film and i think Mm. that like i didn't have one emotion or another about it I kind of just saw it because it was a double feature, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go check this out, which I don't remember sure. what the first movie that I saw was. I think it was awful. <laughs> so I went, no, I saw, <laughs> Peanut, I saw the Peanut Butter Falcon on the front half of that. 
So okay, okay. I, I came out of that movie. So I had no expectations for The Farewell, and I think that's why my expectations were raised. But the more I think about the film, the more the time has passed. I have, like, the biggest takeaway that I have about that film that I hated so much was the ending was, like, 9,000 hours long. And that could really There's kill so a film. Many. It yeah. could really kill a film for me. So that means yeah. we're on to two, right? Yeah, well, our, we both agreed our number two was Joker, oh, so yeah. let's just so jump talk- to our number one. Yeah, what is your number one? My number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I am obsessed with this movie. The The weird kind of, like, personal mental breakdown I'm having with this movie is I love this movie so much. I saw it eight or nine times in theaters, and that was before... I moved and started working in a movie theater again. So I actually paid to go see it that many times. And it's, I literally think about it every single day. My phone back or my computer background is of Leo and Brad. I listen to the soundtrack every single day. I cannot wait for it to be on Blu-ray so I can watch it like every other day. And yet it's number six on my list for Tarantino. And that is causing me a lot of pain because <laughs> because I, I'm having trouble understanding myself of how I could love this movie so much and yet not even have it in his top five films. And I've sat down and tried reworking his list and I, I have yet to be able to justify putting it higher. Besides that point, because of what I told you Inception kind of meant to me and like how it was like a turning point for me in my life and my career, Leo was the first person that I kind of latched onto and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to see everything you've ever done. And so I went and I did that. Like 2011 was the year of me latching onto actors like a leech and just going through their entire filmography and kind of just trying to catch up. So like for some reason, Mark Wahlberg was one of those people. Don't (laughs) ask me why. Matt Damon was one of those people. Um, Ryan Reynolds is one of those people. There's just, there's like a, a handful of people that in 2011, I didn't watch a movie unless it had all of them or one of them. So um, I've seen everything he's done. This might be my favorite performance from him. And it's God help me if someone ever asks me to rank Leo's movies by performance, because I don't know that I could. The Wolf of Wall Street is really high on that list because it was just such a terrific contrast from anything he had ever done. And it was so bizarre and he went a thousand and seemed absolutely insane. And I loved it. But Rick Dalton is such a needy, whiny crybaby, And the fact that Leo is in his mid forties and then arguably Rick is as well, it just made for such a fun character to watch. And again, as, as an actor and as being someone who's in the biz, I love movies about making movies. I love movies about actors. I understood a lot of his kind of emotional core. And then we got the ultimate relationship that we didn't know we needed on screen with Leo and Brad. I tell people that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a romance movie starring Brad and Leo. Like, I don't care what you say there was some love between them that was a little bit more than brotherly. Like, I don't, (laughs) I'm not trying to start controversy and say that this is like a, you know, Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes type of thing, but there is just such a beautiful bromance there that is just so fun to watch on screen. I love when Tarantino rewrites history kind of a la Inglorious Bastards, so I really love his approach on the entire kind of Manson-Tate scenario that happens there. 
the cast just plays off each other. It's so fun seeing Tarantino do a period piece. You can tell that just every damn person that cast is having the time of their lives. I think Tarantino has reached that point in his career where he knows he has everyone wrapped around his finger. He can do whatever the hell he wants and people are going to be on board for it. And this not only, I believe, was kind of his love letter to cinema, but especially with his annoying debate about whether or not he's going to retire or if he's going to do a Star Trek movie or he's going to do one more or whatever. If Tarantino never made another movie again after this, I would be happy. All right, so th- this is this is something for a different day. I uh... Uh... <laughs> Okay, now for, for for let me start by saying this. Okay, so I will start by the good for you. Okay, so I oh, no. am <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is my favorite actor. Period. There's nobody yes, close. Mine too. Hands down. I I don't know what year it was. It was probably three or four years ago. I literally watched every single movie of his filmography from start Amazing. to finish. Okay. I yeah. think his best, one of his best performances was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I think that's one of the best, one of the worst travesties in the history of the Oscars was him not winning an Oscar for that. Because he was he, 18. Exactly. He was 18 and he did that. That was one of the best roles I've ever seen anybody do. Okay. Yeah. I love DiCaprio. I will talk about DiCaprio. We can rank his movies together because I love him so okay. much. <laughs> okay. The flip side of that. I am not a Quentin Tarantino fan. Okay. And... <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Okay. The so I think though. that I know, right? So I don't. Okay. He has a very, he has very good. He has a very couple very good films. Very I'm good. I'm so nervous for whatever you're about to okay, say. It's so... going to trigger. I'm going to spiral <laughs> the rest of the day. I can feel it. My hands are shaking. Okay. So he has, at the same time, he has very good movies. He has very bad movies too, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Okay. Like the Kill Bill films, I think are awful. I think both of them were just, just awful. <laughs> I mean, if you guys could see her her face right now, she's ready just to like come through the screen and punch me. But this, to me, in my opinion, is Quentin Tarantino's best film. Okay. I love this film. I am mad that I've only seen this film twice. I wanted to see this film so many. Okay, so let me start by saying this. Okay, I love Leo, and I've already expressed my displeasure for Brad Pitt. This is hands down. <laughs> Brad Pitt's best movie he's ever been in, his best acting performance. I personally, as a lover of Leo, think Brad Pitt was better in this film than Leo was. I think, I know I haven't seen Waves. I personally feel like hands down, run away, give him the award. Brad Pitt deserves the supporting actor award, like hands down in my opinion right now. I haven't seen Waves yet, so I can't speak to that level. But to me, Brad Pitt acted out of his mind in this film. Their (laughs) chemistry... I don't disagree with you. Like, they were lovers in this film. (laughs) This was a love story between these two men. And Leonardo DiCaprio, one of my other favorite scenes, and I've talked about several of them throughout this show, but for me, the scene in in his trailer, the acting trailer, Mm -hmm. he goes absolutely crazy and ballistic. Ike Whiskey Sours couldn't have stopped a three, four yet out of Ike. Every fucking night, every fucking night. I just just love you for that. (laughs) But for me, personally, it was the most well-acted film of the year. Um, Yes. I I just love this film. I love this film so much. I love that it was crazy in a way. It took a risk. And Tarantino likes to take risks. And sometimes, in my opinion, he takes risks and he misses the boat. This time, the ending was phenomenal. It was the best third act I have 
one of the best third acts I've ever seen in a film, period. It's when the best th- he's ever done. When, when you think that it's going to go one way, it goes the complete opposite way. And that made it so much... Like, the, the whole entire fight scene with Brad Pitt, and it was just... I don't know. I, I could talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until I'm blue in the face. I actually wrote an article where I... I while I was watching the film, I literally took notes and I posted right. an article of that, of me just taking notes throughout the film. It's, in my opinion, it's quite hilarious. Like, I opened it with it, said nine months from now, we will have a lot of babies being made because <laughs> people are going to go see this Cliff film. Booth is so hot. He <laughs> is. And, I mean, I would sleep with Cliff Booth. Come on, I mean, come on. <laughs> but, no, for real, like, this movie is... is it, it. I really want to see it again. Like I really want to see it again and again and again and again and again. I think this film should be nominated for best director, best picture, screenplay, actor, supporting actor. Um, it, visually, it's beautiful. The soundtrack yeah. is beautiful. It's just. It's to me personally, it should be the most nominated film this year. And its rewatchability is insanely high. Hundred percent, and that's and that to me is very important for a film mm-hmm. of this nature, because if you see it once and you're like it does it, it sits okay with you. You're kind of a difference of opinion about it, but like when you right. watch this film, you could watch this. Like this will be a film in like a year that I don't care if it's on HBO. I don't mm-hmm. care what it will be. Play, if it's on, yeah. it's on. It's on. If you know it's what on, I mean? It's like, on. That's right. What are we watching tonight? Oh, I'm sorry. I just found out Once Upon a Time of Hollywood's on TNT. Well, we're going to watch it. I don't care if they bleep out every F word, whatever they say. We're watching <laughs> it. It's that type of film. And I yeah. love this film. And I'm even heartbroken that I don't understand why it's not in my top five right now. But it's... it's I was going to ask. I was it's on ask. the cusp. And to be honest with you, the more I talk... Like, I have to, re- I have to revisit movies sometimes. And this is like yeah. revisiting this movie. The first time I've actually talked out loud about this movie to, I think, anybody. Really. Really? Like this I, I do depth. think, too, the third act is arguably some of, if not Brad's Pitt, Brad Pitt's best, like, film acting. Oh, my... I mean, that... Hands down. <sighs> Hands, like, I've never seen Brad Pitt act like this. It's the nuances, you know? I mean, not only is it his comedic timing, his physical ability to fight in that scene, right? So his his physical impressiveness, but the fact that he's tripping on acid while (laughs) while it's happening, and Brad is the actor does not forget to remind the audience of that, you know? Because that's, that's something that I am always paying attention to and something that you're taught early on in acting classes is you're taught to observe multitasking, you know, if someone gets shot in the leg early in the film and at some point you realize they've stopped limping, the actor's not doing their job anymore. And Brad doesn't lose that. And in fact, he leans into it and it enhances that scene, which is already just so well written and so bizarre and a shot and edited together so beautifully. The sound mixing and editing for that scene is so fun and wild. And it just... I that is my favorite scene in the movie to watch with an audience, especially because you never know how many like Tarantino diehards are in the audience with you and how many people just saw a movie that had Leo, Brad and Margo and they (laughs) wanted to jump into it. Um, It is it is absolutely phenomenal. And I would recommend that you replace the farewell with this movie. in your (laughs) I actually the more I talk about it, I think I am like I literally (laughs) you've literally talked this movie into my top three i think like you really have like, I, I just yes i love i love this film i do and i can't like i want to watch it i'm so mad that i didn't get to watch it i think it was like on 35 millimeter i think yes. they, i, I didn't get to see 35 i didn't they nowhere around me was showing it so i was really disappointed in that but i loved 
love this film and I love that I just I feel like we could have our separate show about just this film. Um, we should. Which we really <laughs> should. Like I'm really like it's it's like we've literally like made like five shows within this show in yeah. the last hour. So all right. So my number one is a movie you haven't seen. Um, yeah, so go go into it. My number one's marriage story. Um I cannot wait. I'm seeing it either on Thursday or next week, so I feel like I'll be on board with you very soon. So I can't wait to talk to you about this film. I okay, so I saw the Joker the night before I saw Marriage Story. Okay. Oh no, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not are your emotions okay? <laughs> no, I <laughs> no, they weren't, and to be honest with you. So okay, so obviously this is my this is just one hundred percent me saying this. Okay, so I was looking for reasons after seeing the Joker to give the award to Adam Driver, who everybody has given this award to basically. Sure. And first off, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see it, okay? But I will not be mad if Adam Driver wins this award. This movie, okay. this movie's beautiful. Like it is like if anybody in their life has ever been through a, a parental, um, like just divorce or parental misjustice or anything like that. So I think my favorite thing to say about this is, is we all love to watch love on the big screen, right? Right. We've never really seen the inside and the ugly of a divorce on the big screen in right. this type of manner. And it was so beautifully broken and just, there is one scene in particular, it, it ranks up there with, it's probably in my top two or three performances of just sheer amazing acting I've ever mm. seen in a film. You have Johansson and Driver going head to head and I'm not the biggest Johansson fan. I think she's really good. Don't get, I'm not going to say anything bad yeah. about her. And I had heard going into this film that she was just okay in this film. First off, she was equally as good as Driver was in this film. She went, they went toe to toe with each other. It is, there's, it's the one of the most powerful. And when you see it, you'll, you like, this was what Ricky was talking. Like it was so powerful. It's a fight. It, they fight. And, and you know that because yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a movie about divorce. You know, it's basically what it is. Um, the other thing that I loved, that, that scene was just so powerful. It's so riveting. It's so heartbreaking. Like, I literally, like, there was just tears coming down my eyes because mm. I could feel every emotion. Like, I felt, I was there. I was sitting on the couch while these two argued. I've seen that, like, it resonated with me because I've seen that with my own two eyes in my life. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, it resonated me with it on such a high level. Like, you were talking about with Waves, but, like, on a different level, it's like, man, I've been there. I've seen this. And to yeah. watch it and then i flip it around as a person that loves film to watch noah like to have noah bomback direct and write this film and to mm -hmm. watch i can't imagine what his headspace was like watching right. this scene like i think about crazy things like that in my head when i see films yeah, like yeah. no this is noah bomback writing his story and for me him watching that back i can't imagine the emotions and just how just raw this film is it is heartbreaking it is everything that i wanted it to be and then some it's one of the best films i've seen in the last 10 years wow. it's just the acting is phenomenal i would say the only thing that i didn't love about the film was the score i think the score was oh, just okay but i'm not gonna take away from i don't think the score would have elevated the movie any more than what was uh, kind of involved with the film. The film was beautiful okay. because it was set pieced in New York, and then it was set pieced in in uh, in, in California, no, Florida, California. One of those two. 
one of those two beachy places. Uh, I can't remember off the top. But it's a beautiful film, beautiful performances. It's It really does rival Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the most complete aspect of acting in it. Because, honestly, I wouldn't care if this film won Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actress. Laura Dern is going to win Best Supporting Actress. I don't care what anybody else says. Like <laughs> She should win every single award from now until February. Um, she was fantastic in this film. I will say this. You and I talked about how the Joker talked about mental illness. Mm-hmm. This movie brought about divorce in a very ugly way in a certain way and i will say that in the aspect of how awful lawyers are and Mm. you've never like you see the lawyers just you know portrayed in this cocky arrogant way in certain films like lincoln lawyer you saw that a little bit right like you saw this thing but this just shows you the ugly side of that when really honestly like you just chirp in the ear of like well, you could get this and this and that mm. and you should get this and that. And it's just like you go into a divorce and it's like, I mean, I've been through a divorce, so I understand it. So like you go, right. mine was very simple, plain, so I don't get that. But I've seen my parents go through some rough patches. And when I watched this, I was like, wow, like you go from agreeing to certain things and then it was like, I want everything. And it wasn't right. in the foreshadow of the head until the lawyer was like, well, I can get you this and then I can mm. get you this and then I can get you that. And then it what is the you. what is the runtime on this? How's the pacing? Uh, it, the pacing's perfect. Um, to be honest with you, I I think it's right around. Is it like two hours? I think like it is right at two hours, and um, an hour and thirty six minutes. So a little over two. Oh, so wow, that's a pretty tight so, film. Um, for me, honestly, yeah. So it's not even two hours. So yeah. So or no, it is two hours. Sorry, I don't know math right now. You're <laughs> <laughs> oh, ninety minutes. So ninety minutes. Yeah. So. I'm, you're right. Like it was perfect. It was very tight. It, like it told the story. It was perfectly placed. Act one, act two, act three, all perfectly well put in place. I think it's and to me personally, it's the most complete film of the year. And wow. by complete, I mean everything clicked on every cylinder for me. The writing was perfect. I wouldn't change one thing about this film. Even the score, wow. like I said, even the score, like I said, I give the score like a four out of five. I wouldn't like. That's the only thing that I can nitpick about this whole entire film. I highly recommend, obviously, you're seeing it in, in theaters. So, mm-hmm. obviously, with it being a Netflix film, there's a lot of movies. Like, A Dolomite is my name. I keep forgetting it's a Netflix film. Yeah. My goodness. Netflix is going to kill the Oscars this year. They um, are. If they don't, if the, if, if the Oscar people didn't love Netflix, they're going to really shun a lot of actors this year. And one film I didn't talk about, and for some reason it's in my top five and I didn't talk about it, I didn't think about it, is Dolomite is my name. I don't know why yeah. I didn't talk about that. I'm heartbroken. We'll talk about that another day. But Marriage Story, <laughs> it's the best film of the year. I, I genuinely do not believe I'll watch a better film this year. I've seen, there's a lot of films that I can see. You and I will talk in a month, in a month and a half, and I will completely mm-hmm. change my tune about this. And right. you'll laugh at me. <laughs> but right now, as of today, it's the most... You'll be like, Tom Hanks is taking everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So I love this film. It's beautiful. I can't wait to talk to you about it because I think yeah, you'll sure. love it. And you watch movies on an emotional level like I do. So yeah. I can't wait for you to appreciate the piece of art that it is. Man, yeah, you've hyped it up. I mean, I was I was already so excited to see it. Like I said, I'm I'm either seeing it this week or I believe next week. Um, and I I can't wait. And I having not seen it, I cannot imagine seeing this film on Netflix. So I, I feel really grateful to know that I have the opportunity to see it in theaters. And I will be seeing it. Um, if I don't see it this week at the Chicago Film Fest, I'll be seeing it in 35 mil. 
Okay. I just, it really hurt because every time we're going to talk now, you know, <laughs> we plan on talking a lot more and giving some more podcasts out to there to the, to the world because we, we, we talked, I swear to you guys, when we talked before the show started, we talked for 30 minutes and it was yeah. about nothing but film and it just love the passion that comes across from you and me. It's, it's awesome to talk to you about and I love it. So I'm excited to talk more about you. But the fact that you're in Chicago and you have so many more perks of me being in Nashville, <laughs> it's really just going to cause me to break my heart every single time you get to see things or in certain ways. So I'm really heartbroken over that. <laughs> All right. So yeah. obviously I kind of hyped this up for you before we talked about the show. So obviously um, I have five, five questions. There, All right. I only Let's want one word answer, one word answers. Um, you oh, can't okay. give multiple answers, so I, I need you. I need one word answers, like no cheating, like I All did right. whenever I gave you my top five uh, Marvel movie or comic book movies. All right. All right, they're stupid and funny, and I love them. But director you want to work with, Scorsese. Best on-screen kiss, Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman in Australia. Guilty pleasure film, Just Friends. If you can make remake one bad film. And make it good. What one would it be? Oh, Avengers Endgame. Oh, God. <laughs> that was so well played. So well played. And I'll, I'll, we'll end it on a very funny one. Team Edward or Team Jacob? I never saw Twilight. Even better. <laughs> First off, thank you oh, so much for which, coming. Which one's Robert Pattinson? I'll, I'll take that one. Edward, right? I think, yeah, Edward. Okay, I've Edward. watched those films, so I. <laughs> the funny thing about that is the fact that you said that, that that you haven't seen those. I feel like that would be the perfect <laughs> podcast because, like, I haven't, I've never seen. Like, have you seen the Harry Potter movies? I've seen like two and a half of them. Oh my god! See, I've never seen any of them, so like that's even better. <laughs> okay. Like. Um, first Perfect. off, thank you so much for coming on. Like this has been so a lot more fun than so I even fun. imagined it would be. Um, I can't <laughs> wait to have you on again. We'll talk really, really soon. Follow her on Twitter, which her Twitter name is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> shut up, Kalina <laughs> at shut up, Kalina. It's hilarious. Um, okay. give her a follow. She's amazing. I love her and she's great. And uh, give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.